According to multiple stories from the Maryland players and their parents, there was an in-crowd and an out-crowd. On this team, they called the in-crowd the Champions Club. Those are the golden children. The ones who are not favored by the coach are the scapegoats. This is the typical dynamic that a narcissist or sociopath or other manipulator will use to triangulate, to divide and conquer in the family, in the workplace, and in social groups in general. It's how they extract narcissistic supply from their victims. It's much more likely that the scapegoats are able to perceive this treatment as abuse. The golden children are in the trance of the love bombing and they don't receive the wrath of the abuser unless they don't comply with the abuser's demands. So they are least likely to recognize the abuse, but most likely to lose their sense of self. I'm Meredith Miller, and this is the Inner Integration Podcast, where you can learn the mindsets and tools to self-heal after narcissistic abuse. There was an article in the Washington Post about an abuse scandal at a Maryland college involving the football coach who I actually went to high school with. The article exemplifies the scapegoat and golden child dynamic perfectly and not in a family setting. The title of the article is Motivation or Abuse. It's abuse. More specifically, it's what we call narcissistic abuse. The abuse was couched in jokes and as motivation or helping you improve your success. Tearing people down and pitting them against each other is not motivation. It's not a joke. It's abuse, plain and simple. The reason this is even a question up for debate is because the abuse culture is promoted in many areas of society, including athletic programs. Abuse has been normalized, and it's time that this abusive culture ends. According to multiple stories from the Maryland players and their parents, there was an in-crowd and an out-crowd. On this team, they called the in-crowd the Champions Club. Those are the golden children. The ones who are not favored by the coach are the scapegoats. This is the typical dynamic that a narcissist or sociopath or other manipulator will use to triangulate, to divide and conquer in the family, in the workplace, and in social groups in general. It's how they extract narcissistic supply from their victims. It's much more likely that the scapegoats are able to perceive this treatment as abuse. The golden children are in the trance of the love bombing and they don't receive the wrath of the abuser unless they don't comply with the abuser's demands. So they are least likely to recognize the abuse, but most likely to lose their sense of self. If you were in the Champions Club at Maryland, you were treated with bags of gear, great food, massages, one ex-player said. Meanwhile, people not in the Champions Club were fed hot dogs and beans. They wanted to make a point. You were either loved or hated. If they didn't like you, you were mentally and verbally abused by Coach Court and Coach Durkin. Other coaches who promote the same abuse culture will also defend this as motivation. These young players want to be successful. They want to make it big. So they're willing to go through this hell because they're being told that this is what they have to do and because it's normalized by the culture. This is exactly how the abuser tricks you into accepting the abuse. They have something that you want or need. They dangle that carrot to get you to submit to this treatment because you are dependent on something, whether it's their help with finances, status, connections, a job. 
filling the loneliness from a lifetime of abuse, or in this case, shining on the field and maybe making pro one day. In the process, you fall into one of two roles, the scapegoat or the golden child. The scapegoat is the rebel and the black sheep. It's the child or adult who is blamed for nearly everything that goes wrong. They are used as a trash bin for the family or other groups, shame and problems. The scapegoat is used to maintain the perfect facade of the family or group and also to hide the abuse and dysfunction. They're taught to believe that they're never good enough and this will carry into adulthood. The scapegoat is the one who's the whistleblower, the truth teller in the family and in the office and in society. They're the ones who question everything and don't accept the abuse culture. They never feel like they belong, and they might spend childhood and adulthood trying to fit in and figure out where they belong. As adults, the scapegoats struggle with finding a sense of connection, and they're greatly driven by a sense of shame that they have internalized from the narcissistic family, workplace, religious or spiritual organization, or some other social group. The golden child is praised conditionally based on their conformity to the abuser's whims and demands for image and perfection. They will develop a perfectionistic drive because they learn as children that the only way they can please the narcissistic parent is to be as close to perfect as possible. They lose their identity and sense of self in the process. They develop a false self in the world, thinking that no one will accept them for who they really are, and they beat themselves up terribly when they make mistakes. The golden child is used by the narcissistic parent to extract love and attention. This child is an extension of the narcissistic parent and will receive their wrath of anger, possession, jealousy, and guilt tripping when they set boundaries or individuate by having friends or interests and activities outside of the family unit or that social group. In adulthood, the golden child is also suffocated by the narcissistic teacher, coach, boss, etc. They learn that they are only valued for what they do for the manipulator and not for who they are as a person. Sometimes I see people arguing online about which one is worse. They're both awful roles to be cast. Both the scapegoat and the golden child are projections of the narcissistic parent, teacher, coach, boss, leader, etc. They're both false identities created by the narcissist or other manipulator to compensate for their own self-hatred, failures, shame, frustrations, and general blame for when anything goes wrong. The scapegoat and golden child are both pawns to meet the needs of the narcissist. When those needs are not met, they are both punished. When either one of them exhibits independence and individuation from the group, they are the target of the smear campaign. All of these roles could have loving yet hurt people behind them. It becomes a defense mechanism for survival. Keep in mind that the love bombing that the golden child receives isn't real. It's just a seduction, a manipulation to get them to do what the narcissist wants which is to serve as a slave or an appliance. It is soul rape, no matter which role you are forced to play. If you still think the golden child has it better, then you still haven't understood just how dangerous the idealization and love bombing is, and manipulators will continue to take advantage of you in that way. When you witness the love bombing and you can see it for what it is, it will make your stomach turn. It's false, empty, and there's nothing real in there. It's gross and it feels slimy. When you can recognize the love bombing for what it is, you won't fall for abusers anymore.
There's another character who is seldom mentioned in this dynamic. It usually happens in families with more than two kids, and it can happen in organizations and groups as well. When it happens in the family, we call this other sibling the lost child. They're the forgotten one, the quiet one, the one that no one pays attention to, almost as if they don't exist, so they often go into their own internal world. Sometimes, but not always, the lost kids become schizophrenic. They can also develop codependency and addictions. They'll usually be very quiet even as adults. They will likely be avoidant and untrusting of or not wanting to get close to others. They're usually cowardly and terrified of confrontation. There's a fantastic Netflix series called Maniac that shows this dynamic. The main character is played by Jonah Hill, and he plays a schizophrenic. He comes from a covert, sophisticated, narcissistic family of the upper socioeconomic class in New York. He's mostly invisible in his family and in the world, yet he's turned into the scapegoat when the family needs a fall guy and he doesn't go along with it. I think this is probably pretty typical of what happens to the lost child in real life too. The roles of scapegoat and golden child are often rotating and reversible. In some families and groups, the roles are designated and don't change except on rare occasions. In other families and groups, these roles are flexible. In addition, a person who was the golden child in the family, who grows up to be the whistleblower and call out the abuse, will quickly be cast into the scapegoat role in order to preserve the untarnished family image. I watched this happen in my own family. I saw how quickly my mother started love-bombing my brother as she realized I was speaking up and not going to break or bend backwards through the guilt-tripping, sophisticated attempts to sabotage my success in triangulation. When you are the first one to stand up and step out of the abusive family or group, be prepared to be scapegoated and to watch the whole family dynamic shift. It's the analogy of the crabs in the pot on the stove. As soon as one starts to climb out to salvation, the other crabs pull it back down to meet the same dire fate. When you start to pull out of the narcissistic family or group, watch your back because there will definitely be those who will try to sabotage your efforts to leave and to get well. Misery does love company. The family or group will put their image over your health and well-being any day. They will gaslight you in mass to try to get you to conform back to their distorted group reality paradigm. You will need to grow a pair of balls of steel to survive this. You'll also notice that your narcissistic parent, boss, teacher, coach, etc. will already be realizing that your truth is inconvenient to their goals long before you actually lay down the line. So they will likely already be grooming your replacement long before you tap out. Your narcissistic mother will be cultivating the daughter she never had through your cousin, for example, and she will already be stoking a sense of competition and you're not good enough through triangulation comments, often by indirect comparison. She will encourage you both to please her and let down your boundaries in order for her to choose you as her favorite. Your narcissistic father will be cultivating the son he never had through your best friend or another relative. He will take that guy to ball games and the pub or other male activities where you're not invited to or you're just not into the same stuff, so you'd rather not go anyway. Then you'll hear all about what a great time he had and what a great buddy he has for his favorite activities and how all the guys just loved him, but he never makes those comments about you. So he encourages you to do what he wants in an attempt to earn his love, approval, and attention. The same dynamic happens in workplaces and social groups. 
a lot of clients ask me why they feel like they're always comparing themselves to others. I tell them this is why. A perpetual competition was created in childhood and in the narcissistic family. You were compared to your siblings, your cousins, the kids of your parents, friends, or anyone else who was convenient for triangulation. The triangulation was done to extract narcissistic supply. The narcissist is always driving a wedge between people in order to create conflict and to get them to turn on each other so everyone pledges their allegiance to the narc while they fight amongst themselves. It's a lot easier to control people with the divide and conquer tactic. Now, this might have been a recent adult experience that you had where you were triangulated with exes of your partner, sisters or brothers of your partner, or other relatives or friends or coworkers or any random people in their life, just as it could happen in the workplace and other social groups. People often ask me, so which one ends up being the narcissist, the scapegoat or the golden child? There are differing opinions on this out there. From my personal and professional life, I can tell you that there is no hard and fast rule about that. I've worked with people who grew up with codependency patterns, who were the scapegoats, golden children, and even a few lost children. These false identities that were imprinted on us in childhood, or maybe for some of you recently in adulthood, are devastating to our sense of self-worth and sense of self. It's important to work on rediscovering who you really are, and it is never too late for that. It's also important to develop new standards and set new boundaries so you can start to grow your self-worth. Work on letting go of the people-pleasing tendencies that cause you to abandon yourself and not want to set boundaries or to say no because you're afraid of rejection. It is so much easier to be rejected by the wrong people so you can figure out where you really belong. The sooner that happens, the better. Be careful with your siblings and the enabler codependent parent too. If they are unable to see who the narcissistic parent is, you'll need to have boundaries with them to protect yourself from oversharing personal and vulnerable information. The narcissist could be using your siblings and or your empathic parent to extract information to be used as gossip and or smear campaigns in the family, organization, or social group. If you're co-parenting with the narcissist, surely you've noticed how they're forcing the kids into these roles. While you may not be able to save the kids entirely from being exposed to that dynamic, getting yourself out and getting healthy is the best opportunity you can offer them. It's going to be nearly impossible to do that while you're still living in the situation and the kids are observing a highly dysfunctional family dynamic. Be sure your kids know that they are loved equally and that your home is a safe refuge for them to be themselves. You'll also need to do deep programming work with your kids every time they come back from the narcissistic parent's house. Create an environment of inclusiveness and safe sharing because that's definitely not the experience they'll have with the other parent. Encourage them to be close and united so that the divide and conquer strategy of their other parent doesn't work to drive them against each other. The sooner you get away from this dynamic in the family, in the workplace, and in social groups, the sooner you're back on the path of sanity and health and infinite possibilities ahead. Keep in mind, you may not get validation from others in the group. In fact, it's likely they won't see it. Don't let that confuse you into staying in the reality paradigm of the dysfunctional and toxic group. Own your reality. Check out the podcast episode I did on unsubscribing from the narcissist reality and owning your reality for a powerful technique on how to do that.
you can guarantee that no matter which role you were originally cast into, when you speak up about the abuse and start setting boundaries, you will become the scapegoat. I'm for sure going to be the permanent scapegoat in my family from now till death do we part, and that's fine with me. They live in a very different reality, which I'm not part of. I fully unsubscribe from that reality now, and it's no coincidence that my life is so much better now than it ever was, or I even could imagine that it could have been. You'll see how quickly people turn on you as soon as you start speaking the truth. Even people you were once close to. One truth bomb just blows up everything in an abusive environment. It's not a bad thing. It's just uncomfortable at first. It's also sad to have to make the cuts in order to save yourself. And there's definitely a grieving process that follows. Be patient with yourself. It'll be what it'll be. Eventually, you'll start to forget what their reality is, and you'll find yourself thriving in your new reality. This is something that wasn't possible while having those people in your life. The two realities couldn't coexist. One of those realities is the path of dependence, devastation, soul rape, loss of sanity, loss of health, no inner peace, feeling like you're constantly fighting in life, feeling like you have no value or worth other than what you do for others and how much you sacrifice yourself in the process. Self-confidence and self-trust? Forget about it. It's not possible while you're living in that reality. The other reality is the path of your liberation and salvation. When you divorce that old reality and start owning your reality, everything in your life shifts and you are on the path of self-healing and moving forward. Your self-esteem and self-worth raise. You start trusting yourself again. You start realizing that you have a lot of value as other people respond differently to you than what you had always known in the family or the workplace or whatever organization and social group where you experienced the abuse. Stop trying to make it work in the name of marriage or family or vows that you took to a religious or spiritual community or even sticking out a job in a toxic environment. Whatever the reason you use to justify it to yourself, to keep trying to make it work, but it just doesn't work. Instead, get honest with yourself and reevaluate. Ask yourself why you're still trying to make it work. Remind yourself of Einstein's definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. It's not supposed to be that hard and painful. Give yourself permission to let it go. It's not easy, but it is totally worth it. Here's a short clip from my YouTube video on the scapegoat and golden child dynamic. The topic I have for you is about the scapegoat and the golden child. How and why narcissists assign these roles and not just in the family. So one really important thing to keep in mind when you're looking back into childhood and you're questioning, did this happen to me in childhood too? Or is this something new that happened to me as an adult? And you're looking at one of your parents and how they treated you. Understand that there aren't necessarily hard and fast roles. Some experts in the field will say that a narcissistic parent will pick one scapegoat and one golden child and that will be that. But and there might be some clear lines like that in some family dynamics. Now, again, this could apply beyond the family. This could be happening in the workplace. This could be happening in your group of friends. This could be happening in your neighborhood. 
there could there could be some clear lines in some dynamics in some families or tribes. However, in other families and other tribes and other social groups, it can be very fluid. There could be back and forth. One day, this person is the scapegoat and this person is the golden child or the golden person, let's say. And then another day, it's flipped the other way around. And typically, that, that flip-flop depends on who is pleasing and displeasing the narcissist more in that moment. For example, if you speak up about the abuse or something, and maybe you were once mostly the golden child. Be ready to see the tables turn quickly on you. You become the scapegoat because the narcissistic parent is now idealizing the other child because you've then taken a stand against the abuse. This could be something that happened as an adult, but maybe this happened in childhood as well. Just maybe you didn't even know the word abuse or realize you're being abused, but you called something out about your parents' behavior. But again, remember, this can apply. I'm gonna talk about the family, but keep in mind this can apply to all sorts of groups of people because narcissists tend to do this with different people. So in the family, the scapegoat and the golden child become these roles assigned by the narcissist in order to play the game of extract narcissistic supply through triangulation. Triangulation is like driving a wedge between people. This can be done by a narcissistic parent or narcissistic anything. It could be your lover, your spouse, your friend, your boss, your coworker, your neighbor, your grandparent, or sorry, the grandparent even of, say, your kids. Basically, the game involves two or more people who get pitted against each other, and usually they don't even realize what's happening. They're just aware of the conflict between each other, and there's just always this conflict, and maybe they can't figure out what's going on or where the conflict is coming from, or maybe it's very clearly this parent or this other person. But essentially, the narcissist does this because they want you to turn on each other and have the loyalty of you both. So the narcissist wants the loyalty of everybody and the narcissist wants everybody fighting amongst themselves. So the narcissist will fabricate lies, gossip, they'll reveal private information about you, they will manufacture enemies, they'll get you to tell on each other, they'll get you to say something bad about each other by probing one person and kind of setting it up in this way to get you to agree with them. And they'll the other person say, oh, guess what so-and-so said about you. Essentially, what they'll also do is get the golden child or the golden person to gang up against the scapegoat. So I read this maybe a couple years ago, and I can't find this term again. If one of you knows it, please write it in the comments. It was something like sympathetic abuse, and I just tried to look that up, and I couldn't find it. But what it meant to me, and I called my brother immediately as soon as I read it, and I was like, so I read this thing that if you grew up with a narcissistic parent and you're the golden child, typically what happens is your parent gets you to sympathize with the abuse against the scapegoat sibling, the scapegoat child. So I asked my brother, I'm like, did this happen? Did this ever happen? Was I ganging up on you, against you with mom? And he's like, not that I can really remember. Oh, wait, but there was this one incident where, like, for whatever reason, he was really late. He and his buddy were really late getting picked up from wrestling. I don't know why, whatever. This is before cell phones and all that. And for some reason, I was with my mom. I don't remember this at all, but chances are she got me to go with her in some kind of subtle, covert way. I mean, I was, what, 17, 18 years old. I definitely didn't have to go with her. I could have stayed at home, but that misery loves company thing. So maybe that's how I got involved in the car. And then probably she was poking at me the whole time to get me to be really upset that I was wasting so much time in the car when I had homework, wanted to call my boy 
boyfriend or something like that in the evening. So by the time my brother gets to the car, she's raging. And my brother's like, yeah. And there were times where you were like, yeah, yeah. And like, you were upset too. And yeah, now I can totally see that. I didn't even realize that I was being used as a pawn to gang up against him because it was just set up that way. The very subtle dynamics of things that could be done in a much more overt fashion as well. Another way is when the narcissistic parent tries to to get you guys to hate each other, to dislike each other for whatever reason. Growing up, there was this pasta left on some plate in the hallway and my brother ate the pasta. It was like a little bit of pasta left. Maybe my mom ate in bed or something and she left this thing in the hallway and she was going to take it downstairs later and the pasta disappeared. So obviously it was my brother who ate it and she was questioning us both like who did it, who did it and my brother wouldn't admit it and I didn't do it so I said I didn't do it and she just kept pushing and pushing and then she was like fine we're not going to eat pasta for I don't know weeks or a month or something until one of you fesses up and then she got me to be mad at my brother because he wasn't telling the truth and then I was getting punished for what he had done and stuff and they'll do this kinds of stuff to drive a wedge between you and your sibling. In my family I was more the conformer so I was more the golden child but that wasn't always that way. I had extreme pressure to perform and when I didn't measure up to that there was cruelty, there was criticism, there was shaming and those same tactics were sometimes even used to motivate me to do something that she wanted me to do. One of my friends from high school and I we got back in touch again recently and I mentioned this situation with my mom to her and she's like yeah you know I always felt like she wanted you to be more popular or she wanted you to be on one of the courts for one of the dances or whatever she at least wanted you to campaign to do that and like she seemed disappointed that you weren't part of the popular group of people I'm like amazing that you noticed that and that's what can happen to the, the one who's predominantly the golden child so and essentially I lost more of myself because I was trying to be what she wanted me to be my brother was more the rebel he was more of the scapegoat and he received constant criticism of everything. And what happened though is he developed a much stronger sense of self and his reality. There were times where he would just call my mom out say, mom, you're the only person in the world who doesn't believe in me. I didn't have that kind of self-esteem. I didn't have that kind of clarity about who I am and, and what was my reality. And so usually the scapegoat figures things out first because it looks a lot uglier to them. It looks a lot uglier to them. They rarely get those doses of love bombing and idealization that the golden child will get as long as they're conforming. And also sometimes the true golden child, like the one who just can't do anything wrong, that narcissistic parent treats them in that way, that true golden child might never be able to see it, the truth who the narcissist is, they often idealize that narcissistic parent that could turn into narcissism, not necessarily. I've seen it with another cousin in, in my family. There were very clear roles in their family of who the scapegoat was and who the golden child was. He's definitely not a narcissist. He's empathic and loving and a wonderful father. I just don't think he can see it because the mother just always idealized him. He didn't get the kind of treatment that his sister got. If you're living in a family environment where you and your sibling or siblings are under constant scrutiny, like living with the fucking Nazi SS, where your narcissistic parent's favorite game is to abuse your privacy and just dig and dig and dig and poke until they can find something juicy, something bad, something forbidden. And even when there isn't anything to find, they will accuse you of something anyway. And then you get caught in defending yourself from something that you didn't even do. And by the time that conversation ends, you end up feeling guilty for a crime you didn't commit because the argument was so damn compelling. So 
it gets to this point where you almost hope that the other one, the other sibling, the other person in the situation disappoints the narcissist, the parent, whomever, first, so you don't get as much rage directed at you. And then the result for both of these people, both of the, the golden child and the scapegoat, is you end up having no sense of self-worth or self-esteem because it's been psychologically beaten out of you in some way. So the scapegoat might hear things like, how dare you have the right to feel good about yourself when you're just so flawed, but they're going to fill that in with something specific when you're just so blah, 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 but implying that you're flawed, that you're not enough in some way. The golden child maybe will hear something like, how dare you feel good about yourself when you could have done so much better? You got an A, you could have gotten an A plus, that kind of thing. It's never enough. It's never enough. And this whole dynamic in a family and again, in the workplace in a neighborhood and a group of friends, it can get to the point where the kids or the adults in the situation don't realize what's going on. So one of them is just relieved to not be receiving the abuse at the moment. So they don't speak up for or defend the other, even when they see what's happening. And that's the whole game. The narcissist is trying to make both of the people or all the people in question please the narcissist in order to avoid the rage, the cruelty, the control, and in order to get those breadcrumbs. Like So in a family, it's, it's the breadcrumbs of motherly love or the breadcrumbs of father fatherly love. If it's at work, it might be something more like approval and status. And that same thing might apply to social circles. So I think the result is like, it's not better or worse to be the golden child or the scapegoat. It's different flavor, but it ends up with both of them developing anxiety about when the next rage attack is coming and wanting to avoid that at all costs. Both of them developing deep self-doubt due to all the words of criticism, demeaning, cruelty, and messages that you're not enough. And I read in some site, and I wish I could remember where, it might have been psychology today. They were talking about psychological whiplash. So whiplash is when you're in a car, especially when you get hit from behind and you get jerked so suddenly that you get an injury in the back of your neck. And that's literally what it is. It's like every day. You don't know, especially when the roles are so fluid like that. Like you don't know from moment to moment when you're going to get the wrath, when you're going to get the rage and when you're not. And maybe you're going along in the road and everything's fine today or this moment or this hour. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, out of nowhere, you get blindsided by this rage or accusation or something that's going on. And it's this constant, constant psychological whiplash. Both of these people, this, the scapegoat and the golden child are going through this same thing. So keep in mind too that the narcissist, the parent, the whomever doesn't just play this game with you and your siblings. They'll pit any two people apart like this. They might even take external people like your friends or your family or just random people that they're talking about and pit them against you. So for example, maybe your narcissist mother is idealizing your cousin or someone else's kid who did something better than you. And the overt narcissist is going to straight up say that to your face. So and so so much better than you. Why can't you be like so and so? It's very overt in your face. The covert narcissistic parent is going to be a lot more subtle. It's going to be almost undetectable insinuations where they're just telling you the story, but it's loaded with all these. They're they're there. There's something there. You can feel that they're like little daggers and double entendres and insinuations that you're not good enough, and it ends up eating at you later and really confusing you because of that plausible deniability and their meticulous use of words. Regardless, it ends up making you feel like a 
failure. It makes you feel like you're not good enough. You're inadequate in some way or like you need to keep measuring up to earn their approval just like so-and-so earned their approval. Or they could take another route where maybe they're talking about someone else who made a mistake or who did something that they didn't approve of and they're going on and on about how they how they feel about this person or what they think about this person or the actions that they're taking about this person or shutting this person out of their life or firing this person from a job or something like this. And what they're doing is instilling fear in you if, if you do that same thing, you're going to meet the same fate. So they can play with a lot of different dynamics here. The result is essentially the same. And the goal, I believe, is divide and conquer. You know, you get the narcissistic mother or father. They want to divide and conquer the children so that they can control and manage everything. Everyone is loyal to the narcissistic parent because they don't want to meet with their rash and their, their wrath and their punishment. And then they're going to fight amongst each other. I mean, this is this is the political system in America. You've got two political systems. And then essentially what happens, just the same as with the narcissistic mother, just the same as what happens in, in, in social groups, in cultures, in countries, in politics is... The narcissist spins a polarized narrative, which is gaslighting. They tell you the way things are in some kind of way, and they're lying to you. They're making you believe in some kind of reality that isn't real. They're denying your perception of reality. They're going to create a problem. They're going to manufacture that problem and reaction by stoking your emotions like fear, jealousy, anger, especially fear. And then they provide the messed up solution to the whole thing. So that's exactly how it goes. It's spinning a narrative, problem and reaction, solution. Same thing happens from the familial level to the group at work to the group of friends to the neighborhood to the the mass society. So what happens then is they keep you fighting between each other so you can't unite, you can't uprise, you can't all say, oh, you're the one with the problem here, not us. That division among people keeps the ruler in control. This is the goal of triangulation is get them to fight amongst themselves and get narcissistic supply in the process. This can even be done when the narcissist isn't there. The lengths they will go to in order to maintain that control even when they're not present so the abuse just keeps passing on and on and on is astounding. My mother did this one time when I was going to go to my cousin's house. So she and my cousin's mom, both narcissists, they talk on the phone a lot. They do lots of gossiping. Her daughter's an amazing human being and I absolutely love her son. And so I was going to go over there. This was almost three years ago. I had like zero dollars to my name. It was horrible time in my life but I wanted to go hang out with my cousins because they're awesome people and my mom's like why don't you take a bottle of wine over there tonight I was like uh it's not really necessary just take a bottle of wine she was really insistent so as I was gonna go she had two bottles of wine for me to choose from one was red and one was white and she knows that I I never drink white wine ever like I just don't like it I, I will in a very rare situation if it's really hot but she knew I was gonna pick the red wine and I didn't even read the labels because it didn't matter to me I just grabbed the red bottle and I also know that my cousin they're Italian they're into red wine too. So I get to my cousin's house and I hand her the bottle of wine and I was so ashamed and my mother knew this was going to happen and I walked right into this trap. My mother knew I wasn't just going to be like, I have no money. My mom sent this bottle of wine. There were other people there. Like, it wasn't just us. So it was awkward and embarrassing. And my cousin looks at the bottle and she's like, huh, menage a trois. And I was like, oh God, There was no taking it back. I realized exactly, I saw the whole thing line up. My mom did this as a form of triangulation because she knows that my cousin is kind of insecure about that kind of thing. And here I'm there and she's got a husband and what's this idea of menage a trois? Like that was the furthest thing from my reality. 
but I fell right into that trap and I was so ashamed that I didn't have the balls to speak to to just straight up tell her the truth as I would now if that was happening I totally bombed that moment and my mother got narcissistic supply without even having to be there she won she created that awkward situation those uncomfortable feelings between my cousin and I so that we couldn't unite and she wasn't even there I fell right into that trap so beware that you could get set up like that you could get set up to be in that kind of position where you even create the awkward situation and that's not at all what you wanted and that wasn't what you intended or you could end up being the sympathizer and not even realize that you're being used to sympathize with their abuse against someone else the bottom line is having a narcissistic parent is the gift that just keeps giving and it just goes on and on there's just constantly these sorts of situations that will happen but the amazing thing is that if you have siblings who went through this with you, and if you are an only child, I am so sorry. I can only imagine how lonely that must have been and how much you really probably doubted your reality and just how devastatingly lonely that must have felt. But for those of us that have siblings who went through this with us, it's like you've been on the front lines of a war together, a war that no one else understands or maybe even knows happened. And that is either an opportunity for a special kind of bond to form between you two, or it's a recipe for a disaster. Do the best that you can to aim for that special bond that you guys can relate to because you survived that together. But if you realize that you have toxic sibling or toxic siblings, then you may need very different boundaries to protect yourself from harm because this whole game, it could end up being at the end of the game that but all siblings or both siblings realize what's going on and you can unite and recognize who the parent was or maybe it was both parents in your case but it doesn't always work out that way it's devastating what can happen from this kind of abuse and again like I said this can apply to so many situations it's not just limited to the family but this is typically how we look at this concept in the familial context did this help you in any way do you understand anything a little bit better about what happened to you does this ring a bell to you that maybe in your family there wasn't a hard and fast line between this person was always the scapegoat and this person was always the golden child was there some blurring of the lines did you notice that as well or was your family very clear one scapegoat one golden child thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the inner integration podcast i hope you learned something today that helps you see from a new perspective so you can take new action and transform your life after narcissistic abuse Remember, you are enough, you matter, and you got this. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to get automatic updates on new podcast episodes as they're released. Visit us online at www.innerintegration.com where you'll get a free three-part video course when you enter your name and email on the homepage. Get loads of more free content to help you heal after narcissistic abuse on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Big hug to you.